Welcome to the Ultimate Tournament of Everything, a bracket-style show where we compete to figure out which thing is the best thing of all the things ever using random pages off Wikipedia. That's right. We take those random pages, we write their names on tiny little notes, we tie them to moths, we fly them up to a very bright light in the ceiling, and the first one to get blasted into oblivion will be our choice to move on to the next round. Uh, actually, Wikipedia is a digital thing. There's not physical pages. So we're not writing so names. We no. We, we don't have to do any of that. No, we don't. I mean, we, we could, I guess, but I, I wouldn't. What am I going to do with all these bugs? That sounds like a personal problem. Let's get into round one. Round one. We'll be looking at two random pages off Wikipedia, discussing them, learning a little bit about them, and comparing them to figure out which one comes out on top. And in our very first round, we have the 2019 European Athletics U23 Championships, specifically the men's 4 by one Against Norman's Retreat, a historic home and farm complex in Galesville and Arundel County, Maryland. So we have another tournament in our tournament, and it's going to be facing off of off with Galesville Norman Retreat. Uh, let's dig right into what exactly Norman's Retreat is. What was he retreating from? What was he headed to? Let's find out. It looks like it's a 19th century dwelling with three 19th century outbuildings, a bathhouse, and a gazebo of recent date. So a newer gazebo, a two-and-a-half-story mm -hmm. house constructed in 1812, uh, frame construction with a brick gable end for our carpenter friends who know what that means. I don't. You can find it listed on the National Register of Historic Places uh, since 1984. Let's see, it's wonderfully situated right there uh right on the water in maryland uh that looks like probably one of the better spots to find yourself in maryland i don't know which water it's on in maryland because i'm bad with maps and this one's not labeled but it looks like some type of bay inlet maybe large lake who knows someone not me yeah we should definitely have a better idea what that is but i don't and i also don't have yet an idea of really what our other competitor is the 2019 european athletics u23 championships hmm. so it's not it's not a worldwide competition it's just a european competition okay that's fine it's it takes a lot to get over there they we're, we're not going to be there for everything yeah i mean if they wanted to actually compete they'd invite us but that's fine Looks like it's a normal track event, so they have running events, field events. There's even a road event. The one road event of the whole thing, the 20-kilometer walk. Uh, riveting, riveting, almost as riveting as this competition, which you're listening to, which is called... You know, I was just saying I missed gratuitous use of the intro. I was just saying that. I was just saying to myself, you know what? We need more? More intro. I wanted to turn it up a little bit. You know who really turned up were the German team in the men's 4x100 meter relay. Um, a relay comes down to teamwork 
comes down to precision. And uh, the German team that day really had it dialed in. Uh, they went the fastest. They had the least slow. And that's the way to get gold. You are really just describing races in general. Yes, Mike, they went the least slow. Thank you for describing it in vivid detail for the people playing along at home. Now, this was a close one, though. It looks like Germany won by two-tenths of a second. It's not, it's not like they ran away with it. Aha. Wait, where's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moving on up. Uh, but moving on down the rankings, uh, we see in last place, uh, we had Ukraine, we had Portugal, and we had Turkey. Uh, it looks like Ukraine and Portugal uh, had a DQ and a did not finish. Ooh, it's never great when you don't finish one lap around the track, split up amongst four people. Yikes. Now in the, the final was by three and a half tenths. So... Germany yeah. won both rounds. And they got faster as they went. Wow. Yeah. They were unstoppable on that day. The fast Germans. It looks like Ukraine got DQ'd for passing the baton outside the takeover zone. And, you know, those are the rules. You can't do it in the stands, and you can't do it in a car. Yeah. You have to do it, like, in this little lane, on the track, in the takeoff zone. Hmm. Cool. There should be more, more in this. There should be more freedom for like artistic. Exp Where's the people doing interpretive dance while sprinting and handing each other? Does it have to be a baton? Can it be something a little bit better? What about uh, a rose or or a, a foot long hot dog or or anything like that? Do you remember when we were in track meets and they would do the last event would always be the fat man relay and they used a banana? Do you remember this? I don't. So it was a four by one, but just throwers, and they didn't have a baton because obviously they have to eat the baton, right? So an aluminum baton would probably be bad for your teeth. So they used a banana, and you had to finish eating the banana to have the race be officially over. So you get to the last leg, your anchor leg, and people are peeling bananas. You see peels flying 30 feet in the air as they're running, and then you just see a bunch of guys eating a banana as fast as they can because it's a track event. We need more of that. It's well, it's a good thing it was the last event because what you don't want to have is people doing a mile or any other event for that matter and slipping on the banana peels that are laid all over the track. It'd you be hilarious. We've digressed. We're not where we're supposed to be. We need to figure out. We're, we're also out of the, the takeoff zone. You know where you can really find your respite? You can really find your, your sense of peace? Norman's Retreat. I think I'm going to make my selection to go down to Maryland, get real merry, and move you on to the next round of The Ultimate You know, Mike, I don't do this often. And by don't do this often, I mean at least once a day. I disagree with you. Yeah. We got to go to a tiebreaker. And unfortunately, because we're too far apart geographically, we can't actually do a foot race. We'll have to save that for another episode. We're going to have to pick a random number off the internet. I'm going to race you to it. I'm going to pick the number 426. You know what? Because it was a 4 by one I'm going to pick 400. It's going to be a close one. Uh, Here we go. Hey.
Roll that dice. 81. You are victorious, as was Germany in the 2019 European Athletics U23 Championship, specifically the men's 4x100 meter relay. You are moving on to the next round of the I'm one for one. Yes. Crushing it. Crushing it. Let's see if you can keep that pattern up as we move on to... It's time for round two. I love me some round two. In round two, we have the 2021 Open Bogota Bogota Doubles against Stagastis Eugenesis. Okay, Mike, you know me and you know this game. Whenever we get Latin like this, what is this thing? Oh, I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark and say this is a book which, if read backwards, will open up the gates to an alternate dimension where we are all walking backwards. Do you have a second guess? Probably a moth. Yes, it is a moth. Congratulations. I don't know how this happens. We get weird names. It's always it's always a moth. That should be shirts. It's always a moth. Tournament of everything. It's always a moth. Yeah. Let's get those made. I want a mug. There you go. So this moth is in the family Galichidae, described by Kyutech Park and Mikhail Mikhailovich Omelko in nineteen ninety four, found in the Russian Far East, Korea, and Japan. They don't specify which Korea. So both, I guess. Hmm. Another another moth against 2021 Open Bogota doubles, which looks like tennis. Yeah, tennis. Okay. Hmm. It certainly looks like tennis. Um, but there's nothing here to tell me that definitively. So while we're going to operate under the assumption that they were playing tennis... Uh, I'm going to keep it in the back of my mind that they could have been up to anything. But whatever they were up to, I can see that uh, Marcelo Arevalo and Miguel Angela Angel Reyes Varela were indeed the defending champions. Oh, no, they weren't. They chose not to defend their title. <gasps> yeah. Hi, now we have intrigue. Why would you not defend your title? Did they even play? Maybe they didn't even play. Maybe it was like a, an open, and they decided not to go. I'm so little... they played the year before, and this year they were just kind of like, I, I don't feel like I need to. Yeah, I'm too good. I'm not going to go. Hmm. So we're uh, oh the true you know the people who who won quote this quote unquote tennis match, uh, Nicholas Jari and Roberto Quiros. Um, are they really the champions if they didn't defeat last year's champions? Like, who's got the belt? Yeah, I bet they're still the champions. I mean, it's like the Super Bowl. You don't have to play the Rams again. As far as Super Bowls go, this Degasta Jejunas looks like the Super Bowl of moths. Its wings are, would you say, bifurcated? Yeah, yeah, I'd say they're two of them. And so on each side, there's like two of them. That's like four wings can travel twice as far. 
but the front ones are kind of dark and yellow. The back ones are very kind of, uh, they look like feathers. You know, if only there were a way for the people at home to find this and see what we're looking at, because one, we're not going to describe it that well, and we're not going to pronounce it correctly either. So there are people who are probably Googling on their phones, I don't know what you're getting, but know that it looks like a brown moth. We've painted the picture. It's a brown moth. It's kind of scary. Now who's going to win? Well, I would have to say that the Bogota Doubles 2021 Open Championship was just shy of being that, you know. I feel like uh, Marcel Aravalo and his partner, uh, you know, until they come back onto the tennis court and settle this, then I think that I'm going to have to fly with the moth to move on to the next round of... What do you think? I got to agree with you. As we know, moths do really, really well in this competition, and this is no exception. They show up. They come to play. They are ready day or night to win. Moths move on. Moths move on. You fly high, moth, to the next round. Uh... Oh, you're going to love round three. Let's get into it. Let's hear that music. It's time for round three. In round three, we have Love Hammers, an American Chicago-based alternative rock band against Clementine, Missouri. (laughs) I've been waiting for Clementine ever since I saw their scouting report. They are going to show up to play. Now, remind me again of the name of this band while I take a look over at beautiful Clementine, Missouri, another unincorporated community. Um, Hey, it lies along the famous Route 66. Um, In the 1950s, it was, uh, there were several houses and a small gift shop, you know, little shot glasses that say Clementine. You could probably get a bag of Clementines, which... Uh, would be nice and refreshing on a hot Missouri day. Now, what would you think Clementine would be named after? Would you go with the fruit? Uh, Do I think? No, I think it's named after the individual mentioned in that song. Uh, My darling, uh, my darling, my darling Clementine. Who was uh, lost and gone forever. So I, I don't know if that's true or not, but it is named after a person, so you're close. Apparently a, a family ran the post office, and named the town after their daughter, Clementine. Probably. It doesn't say her name, but it's implied, I think. I don't think it's like Susan. I bet it's probably Clementine. Do we know anything else about this Clementine? Because the Clementine in the story, I believe, drowns. I don't think this one does, but I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to believe that this Clementine lived a long, happy life, maybe even still alive. Well, if it didn't come from a song, the band Love Hammers certainly did. Uh, Based out of Chicago, as you said, uh, have independently released six full-length albums, several EPs, and one major label, LP. Yeah, they're still going, and they have band members Marty Casey, Dino Corellis, Bob Corellis, and Billy Solichick. 
Dino. It's a good name. Oh, well, you know what else was not as good a name as what they ended up uh, with, which was Love Hammers. Um, at one point, they performed under, uh, originally, they performed under the moniker Swinging Love Hammers. Okay. Interesting. They uh, received moderate success on the active and modern rock charts. Into the Insane reached number 51 and peaked at number 42. So close to the top 10. Almost there. Summerfest, House of Blues won various battles of the bands. They have a DVD. They have two DVDs. Ooh, Clementine, Missouri. Do you have any DVDs? Clementine, Missouri is on Route 66. What more do you need? Well, I think I need tickets to the Love Hammers show because I'm choosing that rockin' band to move on to the next round of <laughs> The Ultimate <laughs> Who are you going to choose? I would love to see the Love Hammers play Clementine, Missouri. I would love to they see were. them go play in front of that abandoned post office and just show the people of Missouri what great music is all about. But because I want that, that means that they're not good enough without the Love Hammers. So I think the Love Hammers are moving on. Thank you, Clementine, Missouri. Good night. We have been the Love Hammers, and you can catch us next time, the next round of The Ultimate Do we have any new fan submissions for round four music? Since last time it was nice, and the all the times before that it's been terrifying. Yeah, no, you know what? I think we're just going to stick with the nice one again tonight. Um, just kind of, kind of marinate in it. Here we go. Ah, my round four is ready. Wait, what was that at the end there? That was the round five one starting up real quick. Okay, good. I was, I was worried for a second. So in round four, we have Chang Mian... <laughs> What is, what is what is this? No, 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 no! Stop it! Ha! Ah, nightmares forever. Um. Anyway, now that we've got that terrifying music out of the way, for round four we have Chang Mian, uh, which is a village in Dashetsur rural district in Iran against Nancy Pollock, a fictional character in a long-running daytime soap opera. Excellent. Now, this, again, harkens back to the very early days of this competition, where these very categories are being faced off against one another. We truly do have Nancy Pollock facing off against Cheng Mian. Can you believe it? Can we find out more about them? Let's discover the answers. Looks like Cheng Mian has a population of 443 in 111 families. It is in Iran. Looks like it is near some water. Again, bad with maps, no labels, no clue. Looks like there's water there. It is a rural district. It is in the uh, Iran Standard Time Zone. So they are on oh. Iran Standard Time. Okay. And that is all we know. It's a mysterious place. Mm -hmm. Now, how mysterious is Nancy Pollock? Well, Nancy Pollock is so mysterious that she's not even real. She was on the soap opera The Edge of Night 
for 22 years. The uh, role was played by actress Anne Flood. 22 years. Now, that's a long time. That's got to be right up there with the longest any character has been on TV. And especially to be played by one person. Like, who else has done more? Frasier, maybe? Uh, probably not even Frasier. I think Frasier only ran like eight episodes, maybe. I don't know. Maybe even less than that. Now, she uh, she never fell into a coma, so that's good. She uh, She does get married. Her and her husband adopt a child after the death of his father. And the arrest, the arrest and imprisonment of his mother. Wow. Okay. There's a lot that happened here. She, her first appearance on the show was March. Well, I guess this character's first appearance, March twenty second, nineteen sixty two. Last appearance, December twenty eighth, nineteen eighty four. No clue why it stopped. Don't know if that show's still running. Probably not. Uh, is an American television mystery drama and soap opera. It can't still be going. There's no way. No, well, no. It's it done. was now. Okay, here's an interesting thing. It was a crime drama series and soap opera created uh, by Irving Vendig and produced by Procter and Gamble Productions. So this is like going back to the day of what years are we talking about? It's like radio like, play style, it, right? Like, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Is that where the, does the soap and soap opera come from actual soap? Well, everyone knows you can't listen to the radio without soap, but I doubt it. Uh, went 28 seasons, 7,420 episodes. Only a few more than us. That's surprising. Yeah. Now, I figured out why her last appearance was December 28th. That's when the show ended. That's the end of the show. But you know what we're doing? We're comparing the show to the town, and that's not true. We're comparing this character, this one person. We're giving her the benefit of a whole thing around her. She doesn't get that. We get just her. Her against Chang Mian. Who's it going to be? Well, if I want to not just see reruns, I'm going to go have to go to the place where it's happening, the place where it's happening, and that is Chang Mian in Iran. As my selection to move on to the next round of the ultimate I agree. Absolutely. Moving on. The ultimate Just moving on. That's all you got for Chain Man. They won the ultimate tournament of everything round one. And you know what? They're a very, very modest place who doesn't need to gloat about their wins because they know they're better than everyone else. They don't need to rub it in. They just know that they are, and everyone else knows it too. Right. You know what? I, too, am not really truly feeling overwhelmed. I, I think they, they whelmed us, um, and they, it was enough today. Yeah. I don't know if it would have been enough on another day, but it was enough today. You're right. It's like a sweater, right? It's very comfortable. It's nice. Would I wear it all the time? No. Grandma, stop asking. I don't need to wear the sweater. It's 90 degrees. Yes, I will have more pie. Anyway, round five. Round five. Round five. Mike, you're going to love this one. Round five is Hallelujah, I'm a Bum. The seventh studio album by Chicago-based rock band Local H against John Walcott Stewart, an American lawyer and politician from Vermont. I know you love those Vermont lawyers. 
I love me a good Vermont lawyer. Uh, and he's got a good beard. Uh, he was the 33rd governor of Vermont. Uh, John Walcott's, Walcott Stewart. That's definitely your name. Uh, but the name of the band, the album uh, that will be facing off against you is Hallelujah, I'm a Bum. Um, now, I actually do believe that title is, is that an old folk song? Hallelujah, I'm a Bum. I'm not actually sure, although there is some overlap here. So this really was released in 2012. They're from Chicago. What are the odds that you've ran into these people when you were down in the Chicago music scene? Because you were there around this time. Yeah, uh, I definitely was. It's conceivable. Um, but I wasn't playing at very good venues or uh, really shows for many people at all. And I'm guessing that they played at a lot better concerts i don't know about that their album makes frequent use of the sounds of the l train do you know why probably because they couldn't afford a studio to get rid of those sounds it makes it real and raw and that's why you can hear the traffic in the background of this very episode Mm -hmm. now it looks like for charts they made it to 187 on the top current albums for billboard number eight for Heat Seekers albums and number forty-six for independent albums, so they were they were right up there. They almost had it. You could almost say that they were approaching the status of musical governor. And speaking of governors, uh, looking at John Walcott, Walcott Stewart's life, um, he was born in Vermont. He worked in Vermont, and uh, eventually he retired and uh, was interred in Vermont where he remains to this day. Yeah, so, yes, he retired, but you get interred when you die, Mike. He died. He, that's not just, yes. like, what retirement is. But most importantly, once he was dead, he stayed dead. Once we start having zombies, everything is on the table. If you were the governor and then you die and then you come back as a zombie, are you the zombie governor or are you just not the governor anymore and still a zombie? Well, that's why we have term limits. Oh, yeah. Although... I got to say, for the last two presidents, I don't know if the term limits are helping. I mean, I get that they, one's been elected once and one's still in the middle, but they are old people. Old, old people. How old was our friend John? We're talking, okay, he was 90 years old. That's an old he person. Was, yeah, he was older than either of those two uh, aforementioned presidents. Yeah, but not while, not while he was governor, right? Right, I guess I don't know. Right, I'm seeing this for the first time. I have no idea, but I, I don't think so, right? Stewart was appointed to the Senate on March 1908 uh, to fill the vacancy of somebody, uh, and he served until the end of that year. So 1908, we're taking seven years off of 90s. 83 years old still. Okay, I mean, you're right. He's a, That's true. Long time. Well, you're Nothing's telling me true. it's American tradition to pick the oldest people to be in charge of the government. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what we're seeing. Okay, well, knowing that, knowing that that is something that has not changed, even though he was succeeded by a man with the name of Henry Powers, great name, Hallelujah, I'm a bum, is just speaking to me. And it's saying, Mm -hmm. I want to go to the next round, and I believe it. You're choosing it to move on to the next round in... I am. Now, these guys, this band, Local H, 
they weren't any stranger to politics. I mean, it was, uh, they had a concept album based on politics. They were in the scene, 2012, Chicago, you know, that was a big time. So I don't think that there's any question here. Hallelujah, I'm a bum. Hallelujah, you're making it to the next round of... <laughs> Can we stop electing really old people? Just please, America, stop it. Can we start electing rock bands? Yeah. Local Can't age wants to run. run. <laughs> I'd like to see uh, all of the Supreme Court justices like form a mandatory metal band. That'd be terrible. All it takes is an amendment. Let's let's, let's move on. Let's not do that. <laughs> Shall we move on to round six? Please. There you have it. There is your winner. Round six. In round six, we have a heavy hitter, Koraski, an active volcano on the Kamchaka Peninsula against all of the South Korean literature. All of it? All of it. Could you... Could you put out a volcano with all the books in South Korea? Because that's what we're going to find out. Wow. This is the most action-packed round that perhaps we've had yet in this competition. Two fiery, deep, important uh, competitors facing off. Let's see which one will reign supreme. I I don't even know how it's going to get past a, a giant volcano. I mean... It's a volcano. Have you seen this picture? It's towering over Petropavlovsk. It's in Russian. I don't know. It's so in the Ring of Fire? Yes. Can't go wrong. All the cool ones are. Now, I see a prominence rating. It's ranked 91st in prominence. Not super exciting. But I also see uh, under that its listing is ultra Ultra. An ultra-prominent peak, or ultra for short, is a mountain summit with a topographic prominence of 490 feet or more. It's called a P-1500. Okay. Interesting. You and I bet includes about 1,500 feet or more. South is Korean literature? The <laughs> South Korean literature. That's right. And and we're not just talking about, about cut and dry stuff here. We're talking about mainstream fiction. We're talking about popular fiction, fantasy, science fiction even. Uh, but it goes on to include essays, poetry, literally the entirety of South Korean literature. Yeah. Okay. So South Korean literature is primarily written in Korean. Makes sense. Though English loanwords are prevalent. So a loanword, a word permanently adapt, adopted from one language and incorporated into another without translation, such as snowboard. Lasagna. I don't know if that one's true, but it probably is. It's got to be. That is so interesting. There's so, there's so much here. And unfortunately, I can't, I can't click through and see and see what they wrote because, again, we're not comparing what they've done. We're comparing the entirety that is South Korean literature. And I was definitely Team Volcano until a couple minutes ago. I, th I think I'm Team Literature. 
Are you ready to throw down your gauntlet on it? I I will, and I bet there's even a book where that happens. Hey yo, let's hear it. <laughs> what do you say, Mike? That I'm not quite so certain yet, because this volcano is, after all, a volcano which apparently erupted for the first time in recorded history in 1890. And to me, that says that it waited for a long time, and it's probably sick of waiting. I think that it's probably, I have nothing to base this on, but I think it's going to go. I think it's getting ready to blow, and I think I'm getting ready to try and move it on to the next round of this, the You know what this means. We are at an impasse. Rob and I must both climb up to a volcano, repel inside, and try to extract a giant gemstone the one of us which can survive the climb back out and up with the largest gemstone will get to move their selection on to the next round not a terrible idea but also a terrible idea let's just pick a number between one and a thousand i don't feel like climbing a volcano today maybe tomorrow not today much easier it's already hot out what's your number my number is the number one number number one okay Bold move. I am going to go with, uh, let's see, it's got to compose all of Korean literature that ever has been and probably ever will be. Uh, 27. 177. Right. <laughs> I win. <laughs> you, in fact, win. And so does the entirety of South Korean literature. You're okay in my book. And moving on to the next round of... Just terrible gamesmanship on your end. It had to be one exactly. I could have picked two and beat you. <laughs> Way to represent the volcano. I felt it in my heart, and apparently it was just a uh, murmur. Felt it in your heart and didn't use your brain. Round seven. Round seven. Round seven. We have Barnett Kopthal, a sports venue in uh, Hendon Mill Hill, that Hendon Mill Hill borders in London, and Breezy Knoll, Wisconsin. Oh my! It's actually kind so, of close to where I live. Breezy Knoll. I might have to visit. I mean. Another unincorporated community. Who's who's out there who hasn't gotten around in incorporating these communities yet? Yeah, all the people who live in Breezy Knoll, apparently. Well, I guess if I was living in a nice Breezy Knoll, I wouldn't want to get out and do paperwork. Mm-mm. So where do you want to start? You want to start with Breezy Knoll? I've described all of it. It's that Yeah, small. that's about all we know. <laughs> <laughs> or Barnett Kopthal, the stadium. Well... I'd like to start with the stadium um, because it is pretty big. Uh, it's got a just a huge construction here. Uh, looks like a building covered uh, Stone X Stadium, uh, which was previously known as Alliance with a Z Park. 
it hosted gold medal matches. It's hosted American football. Stadium capacity has been expanded at least once. They, uh, they have a sponsorship deal for naming rights, so that goes back and forth. You uh, can get there by taking the underground or walking. Oh. And during COVID-19, used as a vaccination center. Now, Breezy Knoll, Wisconsin, is in the Jefferson County, in the town of Oakland, in the state of Wisconsin, in the country of America, on the planet of Earth, with the 608 area code, and that's all we know. Yeah, we don't even have a population here. Does nobody live there? We got we got nothing. The hyperlink that takes it out gives me nothing else. So, knowing that, I think I gotta just by general lack of information, give it to Barnett Copthall. I'm gonna agree with you without even having to go to the music first because Barnett Copthall, you seem to have a lot going on. Uh, I actually know people are there. I don't know if there's anybody at Breezy Hill. Kind of an appealing aspect of it. But if I want to have a good time, you can find me down at Barnett Copthall. We're moving on to the next round of... That was a slaughter. Just so fast. They stood no chance. That is a knockout in round one. Seven. Just a You know what? I, I think that it's... It's honestly kind of disrespectful for Bruce Knoll to have shown up with such uh, poor preparation for this competition. It's like they didn't even care. It's like they didn't even care. But you know who cares a lot? Whom? Round eight. Round eight. I say, would you by chance have any round eight? Round eight! Okay, Mike, we are going to play a new game. New to us, new okay. to you, new to the world. I'm going to name one of the competitors in round eight. And I'm going to give you some okay. multiple choices about what it is. And we'll see how close you can get. So in All right. round eight, we have well-known URI, which is what? A, a medical procedure. B, a URL prefix. C, tax law. Or D, a studio album from a rap group. Wow, those were really good selections for you to give me for me to not have any clue. Um, and since they were all pretty thorough and all pretty long, I don't remember any of them anyways. So I'm going to randomly select letter C. Incorrect! If you remember, C was something I've already forgotten as well, but it was B. <laughs> <laughs> the uniform recess identifier for a URL. Wow. Okay. You know what? Honestly, I, I, I'll be I'll be honest with you. I definitely thought of that as one of the selections. Yeah. Yeah. It's just in the name. You know. You can just tell based on this random Wikipedia page. Now, well-known URI, which apparently is not that well-known, is competing against Harvey Gold Harvey Goldsmith, a music promoter. Harvey Goldsmith sounds like a, mu a music promoter. Oh, well, let's let's get into it. He was born in uh, 14, not, not 14, 1946 in Edgeware, Middlesex, 
English performing arts promoter. He's produced, managed, and promoted shows with, yes, Genesis, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Queen, The Eagles, Elton John, U2, Madonna, Muse, Bob Dylan, The Rolling Stones, The Who, Bruce Springsteen, Santana, Pavarotti, <laughs> Shania Twain. The list goes on. It really, truly does. Uh, just putting on good shows, getting good folks together to have a good time. Uh, promoted Pavarotti at Wembley Arena. Uh, that that was a big deal. Um, co-promoted SummerSlam wrestling show at Wembley Stadium with the World Wrestling Federation. So if, if you wanted, uh, if you had a deal and you wanted that deal to become a big deal, it seems like Harvey Goldsmith was the guy to make that happen. Okay, so sidebar, totally unrelated. What would you say Madonna's last name is? Madonna, Madonna. Nope, apparently it's Saccone. Didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Madonna Louise Saccone. One of her fans is really upset that I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's C-I-C-C-O-N-E, but I'm going to pronounce it Saccone. Now, well, how... Madonna... Madonna's well-known. Her name is a little bit less well-known, but uh, if you want to think about things that are well-known, you should look over at the well-known URI. Now, what does this allow us to do? Implemented on web servers so that requests to servers for well-known services are available at URLs consistent across servers. So basically, it makes it easy to find things on Google or Facebook or YouTube. Okay. That's all of the internet, right? It's just Google, Facebook, YouTube, and that's it, right? I mean, yeah, that's that's all the internet. The internet is just for cat pictures and arguing with your relatives about politics. That's all it's for. I bet we use the well-known URI all the time. But it seems like a Harvey Goldsmith event would have been a once-in-a-lifetime type of opportunity. You know what well-known URI needs? A promoter. This is a match made in our game heaven. They need to be promoted by the great Harvey Goldsmith. And because they need that, because they need that help, I think we know who's better. I think we know who moves on. Harvey Goldsmith, we are promoting you to the next round of... He seems like the type of person that would totally put that on his Twitter bio just right away, like, won the ultimate tournament of everything, because he's such a promoter. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not going to miss an opportunity to put butts in seats. Speaking of, let's move on to our next round, round nine. As everyone knows, round nine is the final round in our show. We've covered so much, gone so far, and it's over so soon. In round nine, we have the Workers' Central Union of Cuba against David Irving, an American football player. David Irving, uh... No stranger to the Workers' Central Union of Cuba. These two have faced off in the past to mixed results. Let's see which one will come out on top today. David Gerard Irving, born August 18th, 1993. Defensive tackle. He's a free agent. He's played for Dallas, Kansas City, and the Raiders. 
So anyone looking out there for a defensive tackle, he's available. Yeah. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So that was of late. Mm-hmm. Recently, he's he's still out there. Why did he 12 leave? and a half sacks. Pretty not, good. Not bad. He was released May 21st, 2021. Hmm. Looks like he hasn't played in a season. But you know who never quits? The Workers Central Union of Cuba. <laughs> Trade Union Federation in Cuba. Uh, 19 sectoral unions organized in more than 81,000 workplaces. They put in the work to protect the people. Yes. Uh, in the 1930s, the Cuban labor movement declined after an unsuccessful general strike against a government headed by Carlos Mandieta, uh, who had initiated a period of harsh anti-union persecution. You can't do that. So, yeah, I mean, just trying to keep people, you know, solidarity. Um, they, they hold solidarity events. They uh, do hold events for heroic people of Cuba, advocating to stop the blockade against Cuba. You know, they're Cubans for Cubans, um, and uh, you can't really fault them for that. No. Looks like they uh, their leader is saying that they will continue and guarantee the revolutionary process, calling on people to be protagonists of the work underway in the Caribbean nation. Well, with this union, uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of work being done. What, what are they doing? That is a great question that I don't think this article answers. I think maybe they're doing too much to tell us about what it is. Well, you know who is not doing too much anymore is our good friend David Irving. Um, as you said, he is a free agent. He's probably still out there training and things like that. Um I do see, interesting, in 2019, indefinitely suspended for, uh, again, repeating, or again, violating the substance abuse policy, and he announced a few days later he was quitting because he was opposed to that policy. Um, you know, it's it's legal in, in Vegas. Yeah, it looks like. So he was suspended for, cannabis, was. suspended for cannabis use, and he created an advocacy magazine called Cannabis Passport. And that is it is an interesting thing. I think Richard Sherman had something similar to say about this, right? They were talking about how it's legal in some states and not in others. Why would be they be suspended for it? Uh, good questions for sure. It sounds like maybe that's why he's not in the league, but it sounds like he turned it into something good. Yeah. And even after that, he went on to join the Raiders practice squad. I mean, he can play. Indeed, he can. But can he play? at the same level as the Workers' Central Union of Cuba? That is the question. And we haven't done this before. I think it's a tie. Can we, can we have a tie? I mean, we have a tiebreaker, so maybe the tie needs to be broken. But I, I it's tough for me to pick. I understand that it's tough for you to pick. Um, but you know what? Sometimes it is going to be tough to pick. And sometimes things are tough. And there's nobody tougher than David Irving, except for perhaps the combined forces of the Workers Central Union of Cuba. So yeah. I'm going actually, I'm going with them. I'm going with the Workers Central Union of Cuba. You had me in the first half, not going to lie, but you've convinced me. The Workers Central Union of Cuba, you are much stronger than one man. You are stronger united than you are apart. 
that's probably the whole point. Together, we prosper. Viva la revolution! Into the next round. Well, everybody, that gets the end of our time here. After nine rounds where we learned lots of things, we learned that there will be more moths. We learned that Harvey Goldsmith is a wonderful promoter. And we learned that even when given multiple choice options, Mike doesn't know what well-known URI is. Not that I did either. This was a whirlwind. And uh, I think I'm going to have to go and have an ice bath. Uh, I'm going to watch some film and... uh, we're going to come back next time to see who's going to come out for more contributions to the next round of The Ultimate Turning Coach Everything.